Welcome to StoryWise. This is a podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, inspire, and motivate you to turn your dreams into reality. My name is Jen Grisanti. I am the career script consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc. I am very proud to have as my guest today the remarkably talented and witty writer Jason Filardi. Jason's latest feature is 17 Again, which is currently in the top 10 at the box office. It stars Zac Efron and explores the concept of what if we could go back to the past and redo it. Jason also wrote the independent film Drum and the film Bringing Down the House. Thank you for joining me, Jason. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm always surprised when anybody wants to talk to me. So, yeah, it's very nice. <laughs> you are doing very well. Oh, thank you. Very, very well. I was very excited when I saw 17 again. Oh, thanks. It, yeah. it exceeded my expectations, I have to say. I, w- I would have expected a Disney movie that really hit the surface, and you really, really went beneath the surface and hit some emotional moments. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's kind of the um that's kind of what we've been getting from the movie from the older crowd. Uh, because Zach is the lead, everyone pretty much expects it to be a high school musical type <laughs> movie. But uh but when adults go and see it, the the reaction is, "Oh, I I actually liked the movie. I didn't expect to, but I liked it because it's truly an adult movie with an adult theme." I liked the the emotional moments because it really there's not a person on this planet who can't relate with what if I had done that differently. Right. Going right. back to the concept, how did you come up with that? Yeah, and that's and that's pretty much you, you nailed it. I always thought that there was a movie in the saying, if only I knew then what I know now. I think everybody as an adult says that or thinks that at least. We all do. So I had no – in my head I had always said there is a movie in there. There is a movie in there. And finally one day I sat down and I decided to really – give it a go. And I said, well, if I could take my 37 years of experience, where would I want to go with that? And it was high school. Um, because that way with that experience, you could you know, work the teachers, get better grades. You could be a little better with the women. Um, <laughs> you, you just be a little more savvy altogether. Uh, so that was really the genesis of the idea for 17. And, and as I was beating out the story, I realized, oh, wow, I'm doing a reverse big. Um, so, uh, and but the other thing was I realized, well, is it, more interesting if he goes back to high school and he can really work everything or what if you went back to high school thinking you could work you know work everything and you're j- you you can't because i mean everything's so different and technology alone is so different you don't even know how to work you know your cell phone or what is texting or what um so that was that I wanted to play with also and now you've also had another film that was very big at the box office bringing down the house um, which was excellent. I, I'm curious, looking at the two films in the journey through both and the feeling of being an audience member first in Bringing Down the House and now in 17 again, what is that experience like? Well, the, the, the journey of the two movies were very different. Uh, bringing Down the House, I took a well, even in Hollywood standards, that kind of moved quickly. Uh, it took I, I did about a year and a half of development in that movie. But it was a lot of drafts, like 26 drafts that I do. I mean, it was 
Yeah, I learned a lot in this process. 26 drafts. Yeah, they put me through the ringer. But it was a good ringer. It was such a learning experience um, that you can't throw anything at me now to rattle me. Like, I, I've been through it. I've, I've done it all. But the fact um, that they didn't bring another writer in is yeah, fantastic. It, it was it was, it was, was great. I mean, it was the con- – you know, that and that showed their confidence in me as a new, quote-unquote, new writer to continue keeping me on. Uh, 17 moved extremely quickly. Uh, I sold the pitch in March of 2007, and we were in production by October. So that was just fast. Um, the two movies are a bit different because Bringing Down the House is pretty much just a straight-out comedy. I'm just going for the laughs. Um, and in 17, I want it to be more than that. I, I want it to be. I didn't want it to be with these movies where you, you know, every scene you're trying to, you know, I'm trying to get you to laugh out hysterically. I want really wanted to hit emotional beats in this movie because I think that. Uh, it's the type of movie that it is. So when you sit in an audience, like with Bringing Down the House, I was extremely scared and worried that nobody was going to laugh. You know, I was almost sick to my stomach, I remember, um, sitting in that first test screening audience and just literally sunk down into my chair and waited for, you know, nobody to laugh. But once they started laughing and laughing, I was like, wow, they got, you know, they, like, we got something here and they like it. I that can't believe that people just liked it. Feeling, yeah, boy. it was. It was. It was. It's a. I. You know. It's a. It's the best feeling there is as a writer to see and hear your words come out and to see people react positively. But you know, there's always the joke that lands flat, and you go, "Oh God, I just. You know, I just missed on that one." But you learn. Yeah, you absolutely. learn. I think that that is definitely the greatest way to learn. With regards to, you've also had success in the independent arena. Your movie drum. It depends what you call success. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. tell me about your journey with yeah. drum. Drum is uh, a small South African movie. Um, and actually, to tell you the truth, uh, I love this movie. Um, and it was my most enjoyable experience making movies was on drum. So I, I, um, I've always wanted to get out of... I, I, I feel I can write more than comedy. <laughs> um, but what happens is when you write something and it's successful, you become pretty much pigeonholed. And you get it. You understand it. People And drum is not a comedy. No. Drum is about the first black investigative reporter in uh, 1950s uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, um, who starts uncovering things in apartheid and ultimately dies. Gets How killed. did you get chosen? Yeah, for good that? question. So, um, so I had worked with this um, this German company called Armada earlier. They had a German comedy that they wanted to bring to the states and have me adapt and you know make it more Americanized. So we did that. Uh, I did that for them. But in the process, they had read a Red Baron script of mine that I wrote with my brother years ago. And when this popped up, they thought of me off of reading the Red Baron script. So they called me up and said, hey, would you be interested in going to South Africa? And I was like, yes. I didn't even know what the story was yet. I had no idea. They didn't tell me. I just said, yes, absolutely. I've always wanted to go to South Africa. Um, So they ended up sending me over uh, literature, books to read, and music in the time period because the music was huge and this kind of music in the 1950s in South Africa. And I started reading up on the characters and the people in the time period, and I fell in love with it. Oh, that's fantastic. And, yeah, it was awesome. So – they literally sent me to South Africa for a month to meet people who all, – all the guys in the movie are dead now, but to meet people who knew them and to just feel it, live it, walk the streets. And so I wrote the screenplay in South Africa in a month. 
And I got to tell you, it was like taking a vacation because I, I find, well, I outlined, this is how psyched I was to do this project. I was sitting on the plane, on the plane ride, it was long from LA to Johannesburg. I spent the whole, I didn't sleep, spent the whole trip there outlining the movie. So by the time I landed, I had the whole movie outlined and then I wrote it in 30, in like 30 days. Um, and I know people are thinking, well, it can't be that good. <laughs> it can't be any good then. Um, and no, but, uh, but so yeah, it was just because I was so into it and I loved the material so much and I loved the characters. Um, that I was and able, how did I was it do, do at the festivals? Oh, it was great. So we, um, so the, it, it was in every major film festival, Cannes, Toronto, Sundance, how all over, all over the world. Oh, awesome. I mean, when you have a, when you have a film at, at one of the film festivals, it's just, it's awesome. And you know, and those crowds. I mean, we were having standing ovations. I mean, for this little film, uh, um, it was it was such a cool experience. That is fantastic. And then, and then you know, I was there. I was in South Africa for a couple months while we were filming because I also got to be an executive producer on it. Um, so it was just the whole experience of these doing these small movies. Yeah, they're really hard to put together. They're really hard to do, but man, it is. Um, you learn a ton. Now, I'm curious because you've mentioned on a few films how quickly they went. Like, 17 again went quickly. Bringing Down the House didn't go quickly. Mm. Drum did go quickly. What would you say, on average, time-wise, is your process for writing a screenplay? Uh, um, I have um, – it takes me about – I do a very – detailed outline in which I recommend to every single writer you do. Do not sit down and try to write a screenplay without outlining. Your, you, you, you'll get lost. You might get through your first act, but I guarantee you, you won't get through the second. You have to sit down and you have to do an extremely detailed outline. So that usually takes me, I give myself four or five weeks to do that. Um, and then if I have a really detailed outline, then the writing is easier. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, things change like a little bit, but you have a real good map. Uh, and then the next step that I do is I just crank out my first draft. I know it's crap. It depresses me while I'm doing it. But you, I don't go back and rewrite because you need the skeleton. Now, what you need is the skeleton. You need that 100 and I don't, you know, you may have went long. You need 120 pages, whatever, 10 pages to then rewrite because writing is rewriting. So I crank out that first draft no matter how bad it is. I just want it laid out in front of me and then. The vomit draft. The vomit draft, absolutely. (laughs) And then I go back and I rewrite and I rewrite. And, you know, I probably rewrite a screenplay three or four times before I turn in, quote, unquote, the first draft. So, all right. So So a normal process is a few months. So, yeah, I would say say, um, three months. Okay. Uh, Now, I've had ones that take longer. There's no doubt about it. But on an average. On an average three three months. I like that. If you were to think of anyone else's writing career – that you wish you had? Who do you admire out there? I, <laughs> I wish I had a lot of other people's <laughs> careers. <laughs> um, yes, you know, there's two in general that I, that I really like, Alexander Payne and uh, Wes Anderson. The reason why I like these guys so much is you can tell that they care about the written word. Like, they do comedies, essentially, but it, it's not this broad slapstick crazy stuff. You know that they came from a background where they read a lot. They probably know all the classics. They appreciate character. And you wouldn't know that by looking at, watching the things I write. <laughs> but <laughs> but I do. I was an English major in college, so I've read all the classics. I love I love 
books and I love the written word. Like I take that seriously. And even when I'm writing, I try not to throw away one word. Like I always would tell my students when I was teaching, every single word has to be good. You don't just throw something in there. And and when you watch these guys' movies or you read their screenplays, you see that they have a true appreciation for not only the joke and characters, but the word. And I appreciate that. I would have to say, looking at your writing, though, that I do get that you appreciate the word and that you go for way further than the joke. So I think you undervalue, which uh, I think many writers do. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how many douchebag jokes you can do, but <laughs> but thank you. Yes. Uh, what I think is important for a writer in general is, I know this is going to sound corny, but it's finding your voice. Mm-hmm. And you hear it and you go, what? And even I used to say, what the hell does that mean? Why do you keep saying finding your voice? But the truth is you do have one if you're a real writer inside you. And, and mine came out in comedy. I had no idea. I had no idea I had that really I could write that. I always thought I would be a horror writer. That's all I wanted to do. Um but you do, you find that voice inside you and you and everything clicks. I I fully believe in that. I have a class that I teach on that as well. How at what point did you find your voice and how did you recognize mm. that this this is my voice, this is my comfort zone, this is where I have something to say? Yeah, it was it was literally when I wrote that first comedy that, that my brother egged me on to do that I didn't want to do. Um, and I actually had a really good time writing it. Um, some scripts you don't have a good time writing. <laughs> I have plenty of those. <laughs> um, but, but, but this one really did. And it, and it, and it felt, you know, when I was writing, I go, Oh, I get it. I get these characters so well. And I get what's coming out of their mouths so well. Like, um, and I just, it just, and once, and once I had positive response to it, and that of course is huge. And people were actually laughing at it. I go, and then I, I realized, I go, well, this maybe is this where is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm supposed to be. That yeah. is, that's huge. Yeah. And some people never find no, that. No, and that's a scary thing. That is great. I am here with Jason Filardi. Thank you so much, and we will go to break. You're listening to StoryWise with entertainment consultant Jen Grisanti. StoryWise is a podcast designed to give you the story behind the people who tell stories, offering you insight on what it takes to work as a writer in television and film. Hear this and other podcasts on www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com, a full-service writer consultancy committed to guiding your vision. Okay, we are back with Jason Filardi, whose film 17 again is doing incredibly well at the box office. Uh, Let's see, next question. Getting back to when you first started. Yes. What was your very first screenplay about? My very first screenplay that I wrote was called Main Street, which then turned into Black Hands. And it was, um, it was, I said it in Mystic, Connecticut, where I grew up. And it was about a, a bunch of young kids, basically me and my friends, growing up in Mystic. And then they get involved in the Providence mob, in the <laughs> Providence Rhode Island mob. So it was not a comedy, um, although there was some, you know, funny stuff in it. But, uh, it's more like a drama. I'm not really a a comedy guy, but I mean, it's you fell com- into com- it. I fell but into you're it. very funny. That's very so nice it was of a you. natural road for you. I yeah, but it took me a while to find it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Who so, pointed yeah, that out to you? My brother, actually, who's also a writer. Uh, I had written that script, and then I wrote a horror script, and then I wrote he and then he and I collaborated on a, a script about the Red Baron, the 
World War One fighter pilot. So I was doing everything but comedy. And one day he said to me, you know, uh, you're never serious. You're always joking around. Why don't you write a comedy? I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. And I wrote this script called Himbos, which was about two male bimbos. Oh, that's great. That leave Connecticut and go to Miami to become male models. And that uh, didn't sell, but it got me a lot of attention. And I was like, maybe I'm all right at this comedy thing. But comedy is scary to me because I don't know if your comedy sensibilities are the same as mine. I don't know if what you, you know I think is funny you do. But if I'm writing a drama, I think I think I know what makes you cry. I think I know what makes you you know feel scared or sad. But comedy is so subjective. So drama is easier. But you know what I have to say? What's interesting going into uh, I don't mean to go back to, but Seventeen again is your mm. your big hit right now. Going into Seventeen again. I did think it would be much more surface-level, funny, um, slapstick versus going into the really deep emotional moments. And I have to say, one of the things— It's because I'm a very deep individual. (laughs) I was surprised. Uh, I was like, go, Jason. uh, One of the uh, things I was really, really (laughs) impressed with about that movie is— and and one one part of the concept was— um, the idea of what if you could be friends with your kids? That was the huge... How would you guide yeah. them? That was the huge thing for me, actually. That's what I loved most about once I figured out the pitch uh, and what separated it from other... Like, everybody keeps calling them body-switching movies. But uh, what I realized when I when I was coming up with the pitch, I realized, oh, man, I'm doing a reverse big. And, you know, like an idiot, I didn't see it for a little... You know, wow. And so as a joke, I was calling it small for a while. <laughs> like, I literally went out pitching. I said, it's called small. Uh, but the, but what I loved about it and what made it different was that yes he gets to he doesn't go back in his past we stay right here in the in you know in the present time and he gets to go to school with his kids and he gets to know them as a peer because I think you that know, was how, remarkable yeah how well do parents really know their kids mm-hmm. you know you know them inside the house but once they leave the house how well do you really know them and I wanted to uh, to explore that you did it beautifully because I have to say I've often thought. Would we be friends with our parents right. if we were the same age? And I think right. that's a fascinating concept to explore. Now, getting back on track um, to the beginning of your career, when did you get your first agent and how did you get your first agent? Okay. Uh, I was extremely lucky, lucky and unlucky in a way, but it was a, it was a great learning experience. When I wrote my first screenplay, Main Street, that we were talking about, I gave it to my brother, and he liked it, and he passed it to his agent, which is huge. Now, remember, my brother is established. He's done Flatliners. He's at ICM, a really big agency. She read it, and she really liked it, and she went out with it. But she didn't sign me. She hip-pocketed me, Great. which means they don't sign you. They'll mm-hmm. go out, and if something happens to happen, then you know they'll deal with you later. So she did that. It didn't sell. Um, it got me a bunch of meetings around town, but... Then of course I was off the radar because I'm not really her client. She's too big for me. I'm, you know, so that became a really frustrating thing. And after a little while, I realized I had to get off on my own and, you know, get my own agent and do it this way. So, um, a few years later, I had written um, Himbos. Well, finally, when I wrote my first comedy, right? And I knew a girl who was a music agent at um, a mid-level agency. So I passed her the script. I said, hey, listen, if you read this and you like it, would you pass it on to um, a literary agent there? So she read it, liked it, did it, and then he read it and liked it, and that's how I got my first agent. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, but I went through all the – I did all the other stuff. I did all the query letters and 
you know, uh, blanketed the Do the query the letters work? They do. That's great. They really do. Um, I know. I know it sounds miserable, and and but they really do. If you write a good query letter, you send it, they will respond. Um, I had two or three agents say, "Yeah, send me your script." It, it didn't work for me because I didn't like the screenplays, but uh, but um, yeah, it does work. I do find in the feature world now that uh, with my consultancy, I'm working with television and feature writers, it is fascinating to me, as you discussed in your GW interview, just how difficult it is to get people to read features. It's so hard. I can't tell you. And and I understand it completely because can I tell you, I get besieged by people wanting me to read their screenplays. And um, I try, but... There is nothing worse than reading a bad screenplay. I mean, it's hard to get through 110 pages if it's bad. Um, and I'm not saying mine are good. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm saying there's <laughs> a lot that all, I've written that is really hard to get through. It's um, all about concept. But it, yeah, absolutely. So, so it's it's really hard. So these guys have a ton. Agents have a ton of things to read, and and the, the 10 page rule really goes. Man, you have to grab people in the first 10 pages. Or they'll put it down. If it bores them, you don't want anybody to put your screenplay down. That's the test. If somebody starts reading your screenplay and has to put it down two or three times, you failed at your job. That's a good It's good so true. They food have, for thought. If they say, oh, my God, read right through it, but then you know you did a good job. What now? Now you – I understand you also have a pilot going, a do, television yes. pilot with Spike. Yeah. What yeah. is the difference in writing story for the feature world versus writing story for television? You know – I don't I don't here's the thing I approached this pilot just like I would a, a feature so it wasn't really that different for me um there's a different layout and everything uh, as far as the act breaks and things like that in TV but I literally approached uh, this pilot like I was writing a feature and I also got to um direct it so Oh that's uh, fantastic yeah, congrats first, Yeah thank you my first directing thing um me and uh, Mark Perez another writer um and we've said we're making a feature. We're not making a TV show. We're making a feature, and we even wanted it to look like a feature. So I really didn't approach it like I was doing a TV show, if that sounds odd. No, I, I get that. <laughs> well, I have to say it's interesting in studying story structure in both. Really, I've noticed that it, it really all comes down to your central character, what is the goal dilemma, sure. and what are the obstacles that get in the way, yeah. the turning point, the resolution? Very similar. Yeah, very similar. Very similar. I mean, I mean, that's it. You know, just in a screen, in a in a feature, you have three acts to do it. You know, your first act is your setup, your second act is your obstacles, and your third. You act know, is you your have resolution. an end. You know, you have an end. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what is your concept for your Spike Television? Can you tell us? Yeah, pilot? sure. Um, it's called Back Nine. And it's um, it's about a golfer, a down and out golfer. And for those of, for those who know the golf world at all, and and when they see this, uh, they'll think John Daly immediately, and you'll be right. Um, so it's basically about a down and out golfer who's who's trying to make his way back into the PGA. So the underdog. Um, the underdog, yeah. Like and he, it. you know, he likes his drink, and he travels with um, his caddy, who he's had forever, and his son, who he doesn't know so well, and and they bounce around from. You know, he plays on the Hooters tour right now, which is like, you know, if this were baseball, it would be below single A ball, you know. Um, so it's funny. It's funny. It's fun. But it also has, uh, you know, some heart. When do you – now, your process for this is not like the normal pilot process. You went right. out and filmed yeah. 12 pages, was it? Uh, 15 pages. Great. Yeah, which is really cool. Uh, so they call it a pilot presentation now. So instead of me 
just sitting down and, and writing a pilot. They said, okay, um, write us 15 pages, but, but, you know, but that's tough too because you have to, they want a beginning, a middle, and end. They want a story. They want character development in 15 pages. So, um, that was, that was challenging. That is challenging. Yeah. And then they, and then they gave us money and they said, okay, you know, go out and shoot this thing. So, which was awesome. And when do you find out? We will find out this week. Oh, yeah. Very so my fingers are crossed. Very positive I really, thoughts. I, and I really, really got to tell you, I really want this to go because it's just movies take features take a long time. TV moves quicker, and I just yeah. You see the fruits of you your see effort. It. You see the fruits and of your effort really fast. It's a great learning tool. Yeah, I mean, this is your world, really. So yeah, you know. yeah, I do know, and I love it. Yeah. Um, now looking at your career. If you were, again, going back to your theme of 17 again, if you were to go back in your career and do things differently, what would you do differently? <laughs> I probably, it's, it's, um, <laughs> um, it doesn't mean you definitely would do yeah, things differently. No, you know but, what I, you know what I would uh, done differently? And it, it's not so much career, it's more of a person, uh, personality thing or a, a character thing, I would have been a little more serious uh, in the beginning. You know, when I first moved out to Los Angeles, I knew what I wanted to do. I was serious. But, you know, when you get out here, you get a little, you lose your way a little bit. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, you end up wasting, you end up wasting some time. And I wish that, uh, um, that I had been a little more, um, um, disciplined, a little more disciplined. <laughs> I, I was, I was never, you know, I never completely lost my way, but you know, you yeah. Well, I think when you get out of college in particular, uh, it's yeah. like I think so many people have massive dreams and have no idea of how do I put these into play. So I think it is a very normal thing, which, again, I think goes back to your movie concept of I know so much now. Yeah. And what would I do differently? Looking at your um, career as a writer, were there any moments where you felt – you know, wow, this is like one of the biggest hurdles I've ever had to deal with, and how do I move past this? Well, this is this is interesting. Um, I um, I got to a point where I was basically on my last legs out, out here. I when I first moved out to LA, I said to myself, "I'm going to give myself five years. Um, in those five years, if I don't if I don't make it as a writer, then I have to, you know, come up with Plan B, which was go back to school and I, w I would become a English professor. Oh, that was the idea. Yeah. So I remember after Himbo's didn't go, didn't sell. It had been optioned and all this, and there was always the the carrot dangling to make me, you know. But um, I um, I got the letter from mom, <laughs> and the letter <laughs> basically said, "What are you doing?" Um, you're not a dumb guy, you know, but you're, you're out there, you know, you, you don't have a career, um, the whole thing. Maybe it's about time you, you know, got serious and, and, you know, went back to school and I was like, wow. Um, but she's right. I didn't want to be 30 years old without any direction. Right. So I was in the middle of writing a screenplay called jailbabe.com at the time. And I went and I remember I went to my brother and I said, this is it. I said, this is my last shot. Um, you know, I'll always try to write, but I have to. It'll be on the back burner. It'll be my second thing. Um, and that movie turned out to be Bringing Down the House. Wow. So I didn't have to leave town. <laughs> um, 
So that was that was a scary moment for me, though, because if that didn't sell, I would I don't know where I'd be right now. I believe in faith, though. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how your mother intervened and said, "Okay, the clock is ticking and a decision needs to be made. I think sometimes it takes those type of moments to really make us focus. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I, I always felt with every screenplay that I wrote, I was inching closer I was getting more meetings or I was meeting with people or I got the agent or um, people around town wanted to meet with me more. Um, I could now go out and pitch people. So I, I was never going backwards with any script. I was always, I felt it. That's go, a good go, And my brother said to me, you have it, you have it. And he was extremely encouraging to me. Um, so that was also why it was, you know, really doubly hard because I'm like, God, I know I'm on the verge. I know I can do this. Um, so, yeah. But you know, there does come a time when you have to you have to be real and yeah. say maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this is because L.A. and Hollywood has a real way of a weeding out the weak. Um, I mean, I moved out with people, and I'm I, I'm almost the only one left. Uh, so it does have it does have a, an incredible way of, of weeding out the weak, and you know. Well, it's interesting too because you said a, another thing you said in your GW interview was overnight success is a myth and I do definitely agree with you on that every writer I've known and had the great experience of working with who has found tremendous success have also been the hardest most dedicated disciplined writers who are going after their goals it's not to say the overnight success doesn't happen it just doesn't happen near as much as we would like to think that it could oh absolutely Now, um, an area that I would like to talk about is meetings, because I think so many writers get nervous in the studio meetings, Mm -hmm. in the pitch meetings. What has been your experience with meetings? What mistakes did you make maybe in the beginning, and what do you know not to make now? Yeah. There's so many different kinds of meetings for a writer. In the beginning... In the beginning, when I first uh, went out with the screenplay and it didn't sell, but people liked the writing, so they wanted to have general meetings. All right, now general meetings are fine, <laughs> and I roll my eyes as I do that. Um, they are basically not much. Normally, comes of a general meeting. It's you to go in. It's the producer, or normally it's a producer who wants to just see face to face who wrote the screenplay. Um, especially when you're a young guy just starting out. It really doesn't – in my experience and my friend's experience, I'm speaking just on that level. I'm sure others have different experience. It doesn't get you very far, those general meetings. Um, you you know, you end up driving all over Kingdom Come for, you know, somebody to ask you what your favorite color is and what kind of ice cream you like. Um, so uh, – but, but the best thing for those – for the best advice I can give you when you're having general meetings is have other ideas. Go in there and don't just be the guy who wrote this one screenplay. Be like, hey, you know what? I also have three other ideas I want you to hear. And throw them out two lines and say, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Well, you know, one might catch and they might go, oh, well, let's um, let's develop that together and see what happens. When I took my first general meetings, I didn't have any other ideas. I'm not an idea guy. That's my problem. Uh, I'm not that guy that has is sitting on, you know, 50 great ideas. I have friends like that and I'm so jealous. Uh, but that's not me. So – um, my mistake in the beginning was I just didn't have those ideas, so those those general meetings for me were a big waste. 
I was just like, I'd rather be home working on my next screenplay, and then I'll talk to you guys in a few months after you've read this one. Uh, but then you have pitch meetings, and pitch meetings are a whole different thing. That's when you've developed a whole idea, and you want to go in there and pitch a studio or a producer a movie in about 15 minutes. That's stressful. I hate doing it. Um, you know, I hate being on the spot like that, and I have to be funny in a room, um, so you know, I get to play the clown. Um, and that's stressful. I still, Which you're very good at. I am a clown. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 um, I, I don't like I don't like pitch meetings, but it's part of the business. You have to do it. Um, and um, I still get butterflies every time I go in for a pitch. I think what you touched on, upon something that is very important, though. I've had um, television writer friends who are now writing features, and they are stymied by the process of going into a meeting and having someone be excited about their feature idea and then ask them, do you have any other ideas? I've had friends that are are like Jen, like you, Jason, saying, you know, it's not like these ideas just come to me. (laughs) TV is very different than features. And some people are idea idea people. And some people, the right idea hits them at certain points, yeah. and it's not like a constant flow of no, ideas. I'm that guy. I'm that guy that gets that one idea every now and again and goes, okay, I, I, I know this one. I know this one. Like, I knew with 17, I knew it. You know, cause, but you because learned that you do still go into meetings with more ideas. Oh, yeah, because absolutely. That, better, that increases your chances mm. of connecting with this person For sure. and possibly working with this yeah, person. Yeah, start, starting out, you want to look, you, you want to go in there because, and you want to look, you want, well, you are hungry, but you want to look like you're doing the work, I, you know, and, um, and if you can throw out three or three or four different ideas to them, uh, you never know. You just don't. For our last question, and you've been an amazing guest and <laughs> really very informative, Thank and I you. very much appreciate all that you've done. Um, I'd like, if you were to think of one piece of advice to give someone who is considering pursuing a career as a television or feature writer, what would it be? All right. I actually have two pieces of advice. Because, as I said, I just taught class to a bunch of young kids in Washington, D.C. One of their big questions was, if I want to be a screenwriter or write for TV, do I have to be in Los Angeles? Yes, absolutely. It's where all the work is. You have to be here. I'm telling you, you will meet people every day who are trying to do the same thing as you. You're around it. You have to be here. That's number one. The second thing is... It's extremely important once you start writing, once you're lucky enough to get your foot in the door. You want to keep your foot in the door. Um, Joel Schumacher, a director who directed Flatliners, my brother told told my brother, the guards in front of the studio are not there to keep you in. And I always, I love that saying because writers have a tendency to think everything they put down on the paper is gospel and it shouldn't be changed. It's perfect. Let me tell you something. If you believe that, and you're and you don't bend and you're unwilling to and you're not good at taking notes you're not going to work long you're not going to work you're not going to have a long career so you have to you have to be somebody who a does good work and b is good at taking notes doesn't fight it that doesn't mean roll over but it means you take it you go home you sit on it and then you make those notes yours if you have something that that you really disagree with well you can fight for it but don't fight 
like crazy. They won't hire you again, or you'll be thrown off and they'll put another writer on. And the most important thing for a screenwriter is to be the sole writer on your movie. I cannot tell you what. So you have to just be, you have to be flexible. That is an outstanding piece of advice. I, I've noticed in television, taking notes is everything for a writer. And one thing I, in my experience, is I say to writers, listen to the note before you defend it. Absolutely. Listen to what they're saying. Best answer when you're thinking about it is, great note, I'll take it into consideration. That's it. That's it. I mean, honestly, you, you want – this is a small town. You want – when you're done with a project and you've done a good job, you want those people – when somebody goes, hey, how was Jason Flaherty to work with? You want them to say he was great, actually. He takes good notes. He does the thing, and he does good work. And you know what? That goes a long way. That is. that. That's an excellent note to end on. Thank, Thank you, you so much. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Thanks for, for having me here. Great. You've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guy who's been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. StoryWise is produced by Joel Metzger and Hot House Brewery Productions. 